On today's edition of the Daily Gator Daily Thought, we've got news that surfing, which debuted at the Olympics this year, is just an example of a cultural appropriation. We've got a woman talking about how she talks to her daughter about racism. We'll get into that. Matthew McConaughey is all excited that UT, University of Texas, and OU, the University of Oklahoma, are going to step up and join the premier conference in college football, the SEC. People who wanted the SEC to be stronger, yep, it just got stronger. We'll talk about Representative Ayanna Presley, Massa Ayanna, who treats minorities like they're her personal slaves and bitches, is, uh, well, she's race-baiting as always, and the leader of the Virginia PTA who basically told people who were opposed to critical race theory that they should die. She was asked to resign after that, and now she's lying through her damn teeth about what she really meant. She's clarifying her statements. It was inarticulate. You know, that kind of thing. No, you're just a nasty human being, as so many leftists are. You think people who disagree with you should just die. No. They shouldn't. Kids, welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought with me, Doug Hagan. Let's get right into kicking this pig, shall we? It is official. Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, University of Texas will join the Southeastern Conference in 2025. And yeah, I'm sure that there will be some other moves. I think my quick predictions for college football, the landscape, Big 12 will die. It will go away. Uh, West Virginia will end up in the ACC. I think uh, Notre Dame should probably go to the, what is now the Big Ten because they'll want 16 teams. The ACC wants 16 teams. Both those have 14. And there, there's, again, West Virginia is perfect fit for the ACC. I would say Baylor, TCU would also would be candidates for the ACC, maybe Oklahoma State. Who knows? For the Big Ten, Iowa State's a perfect fit. The University of Iowa's in the Big Ten. 
Uh, that would make sense. And Notre Dame would fit perfectly. They should be in the Big Ten. I've always said that. Of course, Kansas, because of what they are in college basketball, they're one of the gods of college basketball. They would be highly, highly sought after by the ACC and the Big Ten. Maybe the Pac-12. <clears throat> the Pac-12 has 12 teams. Funny how that worked out. And, of course, you've got a lot of juicy programs out there they could pick up. Mountain West Conference, same thing. The American Athletic Conference. Uh, I think they will all get together and pick away <clears throat> at uh, at the Big 12 till it's no more. And you'll have several 16-team conferences for them, probably. Um We'll see what happens. You may end up with five, probably just four, though. And uh, it makes the college football playoffs more interesting. And I think they're going to expand uh, the playoffs in college football. There's talked about a 12-team situation. Uh, I think eight teams is perfect. 16 could be perfect. Uh, but we'll see. And that's going to change college football a lot for the better. So that's my thoughts on that. Welcome to the Longhorns. Welcome to the Sooners. And I can't wait for my Gators to get to play. Uh, go to OU and play in Norman. Go to Austin and play uh, the Longhorns. And for those two esteemed powerhouses to come to the swamp and get devoured, get chomped in the swamp. Look forward to that. That's greatness for me, folks. How about surfing? Anybody surf? No. Well, surfing is now an Olympic sport, which is cool. I think it's great. Um, but apparently some people think that anyone who's not Hawaiian, owning a surfboard, watching surfing, actually trying to learn or learning to surf, apparently is cultural appropriation. So it's just not, we should not know us. This is our culture, damn it. You're not welcome to any of it. How stupid. If a Japanese person or a Korean person or anybody wants to learn to surf, gets good and can make an Olympic team, good for you. I mean, can only, can only, I took Okinawan style karate. I took private lessons when I was 17, 18, 19. And I was just a white kid, right? From Florida, just an American. Should I have re was that cultural appropriation when I got private lessons with an Okinawan style champion? It was Okinawan. There's several versions of it. It was ETU, Okinawan style, and uh, the guy who taught me was he kind of didn't know what belt because at a certain point, you know, he was the I think a four time world champion, but he was a seventh degree black belt. And the man who taught him was seventh degree. And it's kind of a brutal, that style is kind of brutal. It's not fancy. I would, I know, I remember I would show him kicks I'd learn, like from Taekwondo and jump around and spinning. And he'd go, why do that? He stand here. And he stood in front of me with his back to him. And the next thing you know, his foot is, is right in my face. Why not kick somebody behind you while you can still face what's in front of you? And a lot of really, really hard contact sport, uh, contact martial art. Very brutal uh, in ways, but uh, it taught you a lot. And this guy was tougher than hell. 
and I would when you we he would work out with me and spar a little bit and teach how to block and and how to do this how to do that when he blocked your arm it hurt like hell it was forceful it was such a force that you would be knocked off balance very easily just by you throwing the punch and him blocking it and uh, he had this thing he could grab you by the the wrist and his wrist he could lay his palm of his hand flat against his his wrist the forearm area of the wrist because that was a big move in competition. And of course it hurt like, you know what to have him snatch your, your, your late, try to lay your palm down on your, your arm like that. Uh, but anyway, should I have not taken private lessons? Why was I appropriating culture? Is anybody who's not born in the South in America should they really be eating barbecue? That's cultural appropriation, right? We all learn from each other. Grow by each We welcome. You ought to be welcome to, to have somebody experience your culture and vice versa. I mean, the left wants to put us all in little isolated little pods, completely segregated from everyone else who's not our identity or culture or race or whatever. And they'll by God define what those are. That's it's a sad thing. Uh, Bill Maher has some very great words to say about this and the cancel culture overall. <clears throat> Not a big fan of a lot of things Bill Maher says, but on freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of thought, cancel culture, he's dead on perfect. And I did post a video of him uh, on the Daily Gator Dot com this morning so you can read that it was on twitter also <clears throat> now let's move on folks there's a lady uh i happen to come across this on readersdigest.com and no i don't normally read readersdigest.com but this young lady uh lynette nicholas is talking about five ways that she talks to her daughter about racism or racial obsession syndrome. So anyway, she talks about uh, uh, what she was like growing up, what her, what her parents did with her. And she writes about her daughter, teaching her daughter about racial injustice and how it oozes out of her very being, just as naturally as her teaching her to love her neighbors as herself. She writes, when we are walking down a busy Harlem street in the evening and we see six cops surrounding one young teenager, I don't never heard of an old teenager, but apparently young teenagers are different somehow. But when she sees six cops surrounding a teenager on a busy Harlem street in the evening, uh, she lets her daughter witness the experience of being harassed by police. How do you know the police are harassing that, that teenager? How do you know what he or she may have done? Maybe they are harassing. Maybe that's a suspect in a drive-by shooting. Maybe that's some member of a gang. Maybe it's a lot of things. But you're welcome to talk to your daughter how you want, but you're prejudging. You teach your daughter that whenever cops 
interact with a black teenager, it must be racism and harassment. And I'm sorry, that's irresponsible parenting. She says, when we shop at fancy stores on Fifth Avenue, I train her to be aware of the salespeople watching us closely. When we get home, I take the time to talk with her about stereotypes and shopping while black. How do you know if a, if a salesperson watches you? I mean, I, I speak from experience of bartending so many years. If I'm watching somebody, a customer, it's, it's I'm looking at everyone at the bar. Do they need this refilled? Are they ready to order? Are they ready to check? I'm looking for body language, looking for all kinds of things. I'm not profiling them, except as it relates to the job I'm doing. Salespeople, the same thing. The salesperson might be going, I wonder if they need help, or they just want to be left alone. You know, some people don't like being approached by salespeople. Some people feel like they're being kind of pressured to buy something. Some people enjoy that. Some people get very offended if you don't come over. But again, you're teaching your child to prejudge based on her skin color. It's ridiculous. In the evenings, after her homework is complete, I allow her to watch age-appropriate shows that have positive depictions of people of color, such as Mixed-ish, The Cosby Show, and some select episodes of A Different World. I also have a number of anthologies and diaries about the enslaved that I have been collecting for my daughter since she was born. She is now at the age where we read them on Sunday evenings together and discuss some of the topics as a family. No problem with that. I would say the show Mixed-ish. I've seen it a couple times. Basically, the whole show is about how white people are all racist. America's racist. I I don't know if I'd let my child watch that. As a southern woman currently living in New York City, you have my deepest sympathies, ma'am, with a multi-ethnic 10-year-old daughter, I see it as an honor to share with her experiences that that have lent themselves to cultural awareness. As long as it doesn't turn to cultural obsession, that leads to the cancel culture and the confidence, diversity of thought, which is extremely important. I love that part. Compassion for others. Amen. Empathy for difference. Okay. And the confidence to navigate the world as a free human with the right to reach for happiness and prosperity. What kind of parent would teach her child anything else? She acts as if these things are different or special. They're not. They're what parents do, or what good parents do anyway. I teach her that people do, in fact, see color. Yes, we do. I do. But I don't see it as a a way to judge someone's character. I don't see it as a way to judge the way someone's going to act or what their experiences in life might be, or how much money they may have in a bank, or what kind of job they do. I see it as, okay, that's a a black woman. That's a, you know, an Asian man. And I mean, I don't care about color. It's not important to me. It doesn't tell me anything about the person. It tells me their physical appearance but it doesn't tell me what they're about. doesn't teach me anything really important or crucial about the person, does it? 
There are many reasons, she writes, why you should stop saying to your children that you don't see color. Again, I've told my niece many times, I don't care about color. It doesn't matter. That's what I advise her in school. Don't start. Don't look at people and say, well, you're this color, so that, or that color, so this. You, you can't look at a white kid and say, well, I'm white. They're white. We must be alike. It could be totally different. You might be in, incredibly uh, uh, similar to a Hispanic person or a black person or another white person. Skin color doesn't tell you anything. That's what you should teach your child. Teaching them to see color leads to teaching them to presume things about different races. That is not good. I teach my daughter about color and the beauty of the human race. Teaching your child that color does not exist is highly problematic because in America and around the globe, people of color are reminded of the complexion of their skin every day in the media. Are they really? So if I'm a person, well, a black person, and I get up and I have the same personality, I'm exactly the same except I was happened to be born a black man. And I watch the news. I go out and I shop. I do what I do on a normal day. You're telling me I'm going to be, I'm going to experience different things because of that skin color. Not necessarily. And I'm not reminded. I don't see how anyone is quote reminded. If you're thinking about everyone looking at you and the pluck, the complexion of your skin every day. in when you watch the media, when you watch the news, and out on the street shopping, doing whatever, then you've got an issue in your mind. You're obsessing over race. That's not healthy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't obsess over anything. You should try to be the best person you can be and not judge people on color. And don't assume that everyone looking at you is somehow judging you on your complexion. I'm sorry, but pigmentation ain't that important. Okay, what's inside is <clears throat> one of the greatest gifts that my parents gifted me with was the ability to know who I was early on. That's why they gave you a name. Love my blackness and yet to still love everyone else unconditionally too. Well, if you can actually pull the unconditional love thing off, you're a rare person and I, I, I salute you. Uh, but this this deal with everything about you revolves around your skin color. That's unhealthy. I'm sorry. Seems like a very thoughtful woman. I'd love to have a sit down, have a conversation with her. Uh, she also writes about how she has genuine experiences that deepen their her and her daughter's interracial dialogue. <clears throat> Your kids notice the real you, she writes, not just the person you present to the public. They overhear conversations and observe how you interact with others on an interpersonal level. If you speak of diversity, inclusion, and racial equality publicly, but only surround yourself with people who look and live like you personally, then there is going to be a lack of genuine understanding. Well, uh... I don't know. I don't walk around talking about diversity or inclusion or racial equality. People are people. 
That's literally how most people see other people. What this woman doesn't understand is she is obsessed with race to a certain degree. Most people aren't. Most people just simply are not. And unfortunately, we were really moving in a, in a positive direction. And now the left's trying to push back and make us obsess over race. They're literally trying to make us into bigots, trying to make us into victims, and trying to make us all into color-obsessed fools who will ultimately hate each other. And again, that's so destructive. So destructive. It is, it is an ugly, ugly thing. Uh, Glenn E. Singleton, she writes, who is the founder of Pacific Educational Group, a consulting firm committed to forging racial equity. See, there go the bells in my head. Racial equity. Equity means what? It means sort of what equality does. It's a new way to say equality. In other words, everything must be the same. Equity of outcome. Equity of everything. In other words, no individuality is allowed. Very, uh, very ugly thing, in my opinion. But this specific educational group states in a portion of his mission statements, uh, this is Glennie Singleton she's writing about, of the Pacific Educational Group. To be clear, he writes, we cannot hope to eliminate the racially predictable outcomes of our lives unless we first discuss race and racism in a way that is earnest, honest, and sustainable. 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 Really? It's, so we got to have the, I guess, the environmental justice in there, too. But think about the words, the opening part that we cannot hope to eliminate the racially predictable outcomes of our lives. How are they automatically, if you're black or you're white, or you're Hispanic, you're Asian, whatever. You're telling me that because of those, that pigmentation, that skin color, that the outcomes of your life are easily predictable, basically racially predictable. We must first discuss race and racism in a way that is earnest, honest, and sustainable. Whatever the word sustainable means in that in that part. <coughs> Except that it sounds cool. It sounds smart. <coughs> Pardon me, folks. <clears throat> Without having courageous conversations with your kids about race and racism, it is impossible to help them be compassionate allies. Allies to what? Allies to what? You're telling me if you don't have conversations that you would call courageous, racially obsessed conversations, and teach your children at least in part to be racially obsessed, or at least lean that way, then they cannot be compassionate people. Huh, amazing. Amazing. And you can go read the whole piece uh, further along. Rather drawn out. So you got some very interesting things. Like I said, there's some things this lady talks about I agree with. This is not a, a bash session on her, uh, but it's very lengthy, and you should really go read it at Reader's Digest. I just wanted to cover some of the areas that immediately struck me when I read this. And even this woman who seems very well-intended, in my estimation, 
when you talk so much about race and your child's quote race and your race, you run the risk of, of really making them obsess over it. And that's a, that's a, not a good thing, not a good thing, but, uh, I appreciate Lynette Nicholas reading this or I still be writing it. And, uh, again, it would be fascinating to have a sit down discussion with her, maybe do a podcast about it. <clears throat> Uh, this was written back in late April, so uh, three months ago. But anyway, I just wanted to go back over this. It's been in my saved pages tab for a while there. And just some thoughts. And it'd be a good thing to have a debate with someone like this, a meaningful, substantive debate. Not the name calling, not the hyperbole, just actually thinking our way through it. Maybe that'll happen. You never know. You never know, my friends. Now, let me see. We have to get into Massa Anna Presley. She's a representative, you know, member of the squad. She is the, well, if Dr. Evil of Austin Powers fame was a black woman, it'd be Anna Presley. And I call her Massa for one reason. She's famous for telling, <clears throat> a couple years ago, I guess it was, scolding and lecturing gay people that she don't want to hear from you unless you vote and talk like a gay person. If you're a Hispanic, you're not really brown unless she hears you saying the right things. And if you are black, by God, you better sound black and talk black or else you're not really black. So in other words, she's telling minorities that they better step in line, vote for ultra-liberal Democrats or else she's going to exclude them from their own race or identity or sexuality. What a B. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very angry, very, uh, <clears throat> well, bossy. Again, she acts like a slave master. Uh, minorities who don't say what she thinks or believes what she thinks they ought to think or, or say, she has no use for you. You're not really black. You're not really gay. You're not really lesbian. You're not really Hispanic. You're not really this. You're not really that. Because Messiah done told you what you better say and think. And it better be what she tells you or else. Again, what a B exactly. Now, this piece is from, well, it's actually written by Ayana, Massa Ayana. I beg your forgiveness, Massa Ayana Presley. She's she's uh, writing this piece for The Root. And if you know anything about The Root, you know they... If the Klan were smart enough to have a website, <clears throat> and if there are actually enough people still affiliated with the actual Klan to warrant a website... It would be like this, except opposite. So the people at the root are racists. Understand that. They are, are absolutely some of the most racist people I've ever encountered. The things they write and believe. I mean, you talk about racial obsession syndrome. This is racial obsession syndrome gone nuclear grade on steroids, my friends. And Representative Massa Ayana Presley writes this, writing again for the root. 
since 1866. Juneteenth has centered radical joy. Why radical joy? Can it just be joy? Can we just have a good time? You've got to be radical because Diana Presley is radical. Her ideas are radical and racist. Has centered radical joy and serves as a reminder of what is at stake and how critical our movements for liberation are. See, she's already told you if you're black, you're not free. You're basically still a slave. You're not free. You're not liberated. As we continue to reflect on the emancipation of our ancestors and hold space for our joy. Hold space for your joy? This is one of these linguistic idiots that uses a lot of words and phrases things to make themselves sound smart. Look at me. I'm so smart. I'm so educated. You must obey what I tell you. Stupid brown and black people and gay people. You must obey Masaiana's words and make me rich and powerful, which is what I really care about. <clears throat> We must reflect, she continues, on the work that remains. See, it's never good enough. There's always, we're, we're always, always a racist country in America. And recommit our, 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 recommit to our shared liberation. Again, you're not really free if you're a minority. Just listen to Massa Ayana. Our eyes fixed on the promise of a just and equitable America. Oh, you're still, basically, you're all still slaves. Just listen to Masayana. Forget numbers. Forget the fact that racism is long since dead, even though the left is trying to resuscitate as best they can for their own power grab. She continues, our young people are at the forefront of those confronting the challenges we face and are among the clearest voices calling to dismantle our entrenched systems of oppression. In other words, Tear down everything that makes America great. Tear down all the all of our constitution and laws that center on individuality and individual rights. Because Masayana benefits from and believes in, and you better damn well believe in, too, collectivism. Another ism sp spawned by the insanity of Marxism. Marx and Engels. They're burning in hell right now, see? feel a little better they're getting what they deserve from our homes to our churches to our schools young black folks from all walks of life have picked up the mantle of organizing calling for policies that center their humanity because america doesn't treat them like they're human or something again this is this is kind of a eloquence of idiocy eloquence of propaganda it sounds eloquent but it really doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. The eloquence is supposed to hide the real intent. Unfortunately for Anna Presley, I'm smarter than her. And I know her game and I see through the game. Because you study your enemy and let's face it, folks, there's not a bigger enemy this country's ever had than the evils of communism, Marxism, Leninism, whatever you want to call it. It's all evil. And Anna Presley is trying to milk all she can for herself off of that. Don't forget that, folks. Do not forget that. Now let's look a little further into this piece of, quote, pseudo-brilliance by Massa Ayana. 
Let's read on, my friends. It starts to get really deep now. Check out the next paragraph and see if you can make actual sense out of any of this googly gog, dub, double talk, leftist BS. Ayanna Presley, black students deserve to learn in environments that support their healing and success. I mean, they're healing. What if you don't need to be healed? What if you're not sick? Well, if you got a great mind, you got a great attitude. Oh, I, that's right. Black people can't do that, America, can they, Anna? <laughs> At least that's what you and your propaganda would have them believe. They must look to you as their savior. Because more cash in your pocket, more power in your hand. When students enter a classroom, she writes, they should be able to show up exactly as they are. What the hell else would they show up as? What do you mean as they are? Does that mean they can dress however they want to? What if they want to come naked? What if they want to come naked except for a rhino helmet? Yeah, why not? It's as they are, right? In other words, there should be no standards for you. If you're a minority, you can do and dress however the fuck you want to because you deserve that. Because you need to be, have healing. Seriously. What is she even talking about there? Makes no sense at all. They should be able to show up exactly as they are and be poured into by educators and trauma-informed staff who share their lived experience. I don't know what the hell you mean by being poured into. Okay. But uh, I don't think a lot of people would like being poured into, okay? And I don't even know what the hell that means. Sounds like uh, sounds like liberal bullshit, quite frankly. That's what it sounds like. You're trying to sound like Michael Eric Dyson, who says a whole lot of big words, or maybe Cornell West. Whole lots of big words, and they never really say anything worth any value to anyone at any time, any place. That's what that sounds like to me. They want they need to be poured into by educators and trauma informed staff. So everyone who's black in, in a classroom is traumatized. Is that what you're saying? This by being black, you're traumatized. Teach them to be a snowflake. Teach them to be a shell of what they could be. Teach them they're a victim, Ayana, because it empowers trash like you. How you ever get elected anything is beyond me. And frankly, if black people want to want to have uh, something positive, they need to stop listening to people like Ayanna Presley. And realize they live in America. They're blessed and fortunate to live here. And you know what? Their worst enemy are mouths like Ayanna Presley. But, Ayanna continues, when our students show up in the classroom, they are too often seen as threats that need to be policed. Yeah, I'm sure that every college campus, every high school, junior high, anytime any black person shows up in any classroom, anywhere in evil America, the police are immediately called. That's what she's kind of inferring here, that everyone looks at you. If you're a black student 
everyone looks at you like the police need to be called because white people, America, racist, is propaganda. And again, to use the most, maybe not the most eloquent, but the most perfectly correct description, it's bullshit. Nothing but grade A bovine excrement. This Juneteenth, she continues, arrived after a difficult year of exceptional trauma, particularly for the youngest within our communities. Our youth have endured unprecedented loss and grief due to COVID-19, with black children disproportionately shouldering that burden. They love the word disproportionately on the left. They love it. They don't give any background, any facts. They just throw numbers out there and words like disproportionate or disproportionately. And then they they feel, they allow you to fill in the blanks yourself. Again, it all adds up to their message, which is America bad, America racist. Vote for me. I don't have enough power. This is painfully unsurprising as we knew long before the pandemic that our most vulnerable young people have carried the weight of compounded and ancestral trauma with them throughout their adolescence. Oh, good Lord. Yes, nothing but victimization, victim mentality, drilling it into their head over and over and over and over and over. And sadly, too many of, of young people of all races buy into this crap. It sounds eloquent. It's utter blabbing, it, blabbering idiocy, idiocy and falsehoods, but it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? She continues, rather than develop spaces for healing, I think we have hospitals. Yeah, those kind of fit that. And care to address this trauma. Trauma that most people would never even consider that they suffer from until a race pimp like Ayanna Presley, a con artist, a snake oil salesman, a bullshit artist, a carnival barker like Ayanna Presley convinced them they were traumatized. Our nation has built systems of criminalization and surveillance for our black, brown, indigenous LGBTQIA+. You stop there, Ayanna? LGBTQLA+. What about the minus sign, the division sign, the multiplication sign? What about a fraction? Why are you marginalizing numbers and math, Ayanna Presley, you evil, racist, anti-math, anti-science hack? And low-income youth and young people with disabilities. That's right, America just makes up new ways to, to kick kids in wheelchairs, kick crutches out from people, Make people suffer. Again, this is poison. These lies are venomous. These lies in the real world, how they affect young people. You might as well have them walk up to a rattlesnake and kick it. Because the venom of that rattlesnake can kill them. It can make them very sick. They can disfigure limbs. That's a horrible thing, what that venom can do. And inside their soul and their heart and their minds, the venom that Ayanna Presley, the race pimp, is pushing on them is just as toxic, just as dangerous as rattlesnake venom is to your body. 
It's disgusting, quite frankly. The criminalization of our students. Again, she just makes this claim with no support, no backing, no infra, no uh, supporting statistics, nothing. Just say it. And unfortunately, because you're coming, Ayanna Presley is coming from a position of authority, she will be believed. And the, the carceralization of schools has been a process decades in the making. So now schools are like prisons for minorities, she's saying. That's what that word means. Carceralization. It's tough to pronounce. Sounds like something your doctor would tell you when he had bad news for you. You might want to have a seat for this. Uh, I'm going to have to tell you that you have carceralization. What's that, doctor? Well, it's uh, basically bullshit, Ayanna Presley says. But in your case, it's, it's terminal. In this moment, she continues where it's necessary to tell the whole truth about our history in an aim of healing, reconciliation, and progress. Let's take a look at how we got here. And I'll let you go read the rest of it. <clears throat> My eyes, if they weren't brown before, would be brown now from all the absolute bullshit. Uh, and I hate to use that word over and over, that phrase, but you know what? It's the truth. And this is, again, at the root and you might want to put a hazmat suit on before you wade into the the uh, the sewage, verbal sewage. You you'll read at uh, the root. But an anti-American, pro-communist site, basically. But you should go read the list of things of historical events in America that Massa Anna Presley is demanding that minorities recognize and fight back against. And it's an interesting list from uh, things that apparently America, evil racist America, has done to target black people. Target black people. They're just targeters. You targeting, targeting Americans. Targeting Tartars. Targeters. Targeting Targeters. Sounds like the name of a book by Ayanna Presley. Uh... Well, that's it for me, folks. I just wanted you to get it. This, again, is a long piece at the root, written by no other than Ayanna Presley. You better call her Massa if you're a minority, or she'll demonize you and say you're not authentic. And it comes from June 24th of this year, so a little bit. I just happened to a little bit late talking about it, but I just ran across it today. My mind can only take so much of the root. It is, my head wants to explode after a while. But it is called We Need to Talk About Healing and Liberation for Black Students by Representative Massa Ayanna Presley. Also known as Ayanna, you better make me rich if I tell you a victim. Ah, Presley. Uh, yeah, read the whole thing, folks. Uh, very, very disturbing garbage that she spews. Basically hate. She's no different than a Klansman. Except she's probably a sharper dresser than a Klansman. Hmm. Maybe she should get her own clan hat. Clan hat. It would cover up that ugly bald head she has. People would stop making fun of her as Dr. Evil. 
as I have, how insensitive and racist of me. What a victimizer I am. What a colonizer. Damn white people like me. Especially white men. Especially white heterosexual men. Especially white heterosexual men who, uh, you know, like women and am proud to be an American. I mean, I'm pretty much the worst. Yes, I'm a gun owner. I'm a southerner. My God, could I get any worse? Probably not. Probably only if I kicked kittens or something, which I never would because kittens are adorable and cute, as are puppies. And yes, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, puppies are cuter. That's right, folks. That's right. And let me make a real quick musical uh, suggestion for you. The other day I posted a, a post about guitar greatness. I do this from time to time. I had like four videos of Buddy Guy being Buddy Guy, playing with Clapton in one video and playing um, <clears throat> with other great guitarists and playing some just phenomenal talent he has. I went to Napster and went through the albums of Buddy Guy and another incredible guitarist you'd ever hear of, Gary Moore. And let me tell you what. These two guys will absolutely blow your mind. The number of songs I uploaded in Napster to my playlist, uh, just phenomenal. Just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Gary Moore is no longer with us. But go to YouTube, go to Napster, and just, just do some listening to some songs. If you like an artist, they've probably done a lot that never get any airplay. But become legendary because they're so good just so good uh, that's my suggestion for you take some time relax get into some really good music and I thought of these two guys because I recently read a uh, it was I think the top 20 guitarist of all time and there were several flaws number one was Eric Clapton was only seventh really only seventh the other major glaring problem was that Keith Richards was fifth. Look, Keith Richards, I'm nothing against him. He can't carry Eric Clapton's guitar case. Okay. Jeff Beck, possibly the greatest of all time. One of the short lists of people I would put as possibly the greatest of all time. Wasn't even on the list. Didn't even make honorable mention. Jeff freaking Beck. Gary Moore, didn't he make the list? I tell you, I went through all his music, jazz fusion, brilliant, heavy metal, hard rock, blues, all of them phenomenal guitar player to any of those genres. The man was absolutely, he was known as a virtuoso, phenomenal talent, could be the greatest of all time. He was that good. Uh, no mention of them. Really? No mention of those three guys. Buddy Guy wasn't on the list. Gary Moore wasn't on the list. Jeff Beck wasn't on the list. Are you kidding me? You make a list of top 20 guitarists of all time and you don't put those three gentlemen on it? And you put Keith Richards in the top five and Clapton only seventh? You got some issues. This saying, I'm not going to talk about the website, that I'm not going to bash them. But that just got me fired up and thinking about great great music and great guitarists, and I really got into uh, 
listening to a lot of songs I've never even listened to before. Do it. It is well worth it, my friends. You'll hear some you don't want to hear anymore, believe me, but a lot of stuff you're going to go, wow, that's awesome. And broadening your mind is always good, and it doesn't need to be about politics or history or anything else. It could be about art, music. Music is certainly art. Now, my friends, God bless you. I'll talk to you in a couple days probably. Probably take tomorrow off. Remember to support thedailygator.com and the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. Monthly subscriptions and donations you can set up at anchor.duckhagen and donate what you want per month. And you can do individual individual donations at thedailygator.com. On the first post, hit the, hit the button that says buy now, links to my PayPal page, and you know the rest. Thank you. If you can't give anything or don't wish to, that's fine. God bless you. Remember the three golden rules of life, my friends. If you're left, you're never, ever, ever going to be right. God bless America. And yes, always, my friends, go Gators. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins and eat your vegetables, you heathens. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you.